0: Say with Anyako. How are you, Anne? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on and, and talk with me for a little bit. Of course. So first off, what do you think of when you hear the term fangirl?
1: Oh, I hear, okay, when you say fangirl, I think of someone who is passionate, someone who who knows what they like and will pursue that, you know, doggedly, not even doggedly, uh, you know, with abandon. That's it. Without abandon. That's what it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ferociously, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are you? does being a fangirl mean to you specifically?
1: It's funny because like when I was a kid, like I, I watched Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z because that's what was available, you know, in small town Illinois. But I didn't have the resources to go find other anime. You know what I mean? Like I could like read about other like anime and manga, but I didn't ever watch anything else because it wasn't available to me and I didn't know where to go find it. And I didn't know anyone else around me in my circles who was into it. I kind of like self-edited that for a really long time. Just like, okay, well, no one's really into it. So I'll just, you know, it's a thing that I I like looking at every once in a while. And, you know, if I ever get a chance to watch anime, I I will. It, It really wasn't until I was like in my 20s that I really started to come back to anime in a, like in in a much more fuller sense as a fan and when I was able to you know actually watch stuff like on Netflix streaming was really what allowed me to be able to have access to anime and really fall in love with it fully i was able to finally watch all of sailor moon because only like the first two seasons were available in like syndication for the longest time uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it's, it's now, now that I've, uh, I'm, and now I'm in my thirties. So like, it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I started and it's only really been like, uh, what, 10, 15 years of like true, true fandom because I finally gave myself the permission to, and the, and, and had the resources available to, to watch all that stuff, consume all that media.
0: Right. I definitely relate to that myself. I didn't watch any anime until I was in my thirties. I'm in my thirties now. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, I feel like I'm a late bloomer to to this. i missed out all these years. (laughs) But we
1: make up for it.
0: (laughs) We make up for it. You know, I feel like, you know, in your 30s and 20s, you're a little more self-possessed. You know yourself more than you did when you were a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So you mentioned Sailor Moon. Were there some other things that you were passionate about when you were younger that you would say were considered your fangirl, your fandoms?
1: Yes. Jane Austen like I Jane Austen is my favorite Aww. author like I have read those six books back and forth you know and even like you know I've I read Sandition but like uh that's that was my fandom coming into you know from my teens into my 20s with stuff like that and like period dramas like I I love 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 all of the adaptations of Pride and Prejudice uh, Persuasion is my favorite it's my favorite novel uh <laughs> It's like a lesser-known one, but that BBC there is the BBC adaptations of the Jane Austen novels. It's like so, like Pride and Prejudice, everyone loves Colin Firth, right? And then of course, Persuasion <laughs> is amazing. If you ever have a chance to watch the BBC Persuasion from the like late '90s or whatever, it's so restrained. It's so like you're you're just you feel so bad for her, uh, and and like it's 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 so good because it really just like it's it's not super um what's what we're looking for um melodramatic right right it it, it just feels very matter-of-fact for so long and then all of a sudden you get to the very end and like all of a sudden all the feelings hit and then you're crying it's great um oh. <laughs> and there was a brand new adaptation recently with Dakota Johnson right? I think that's her name. I think it's the name of the actress. Uh, And I actually really enjoyed it because it was, it felt more like we were spinning persuasion into like a Bridget Jones's diary sort of feel. And I was here for it. I thought it was delightful.
0: Right. It was making it more, I guess, relatable,
1: right? Yeah. More, yeah. More relatable to like a contemporary audience. And I, I could, I bet you that there are a lot of Jane Austen purists would be like, not my Jane Austen. And I would say, why not? Why can't it be more people's Jane Austen? It could be everybody. So I mean, look at how many times they've they've updated
0: Shakespeare stories into modern exactly. <laughs> into exactly. modern. Art.
1: And and I, I'm even forgetting like my favorite Jane Austen adaptation is Clueless. Uh, it is yeah, it's Emma, and it is a perfect like modern retelling of Emma. I, oh, Clueless is great. Right? <laughs> it's a it's crazy to think that it is as old as it is now. It yeah. still holds up so good. I know. So okay. So. I used to live, like, two blocks away from the liquor store that was used in the scene where Cher got robbed. And every oh my time, goodness. And every time I would pass by it, I would be like, this is an aliyah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that must be really cool, like, growing up. Because I'm assuming you
1: grew up or you lived around there. Um, California? I mean, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just like I lived there for a few years because I live in California now. And, like, right. just moved around a little bit. And so, like, for a couple years, I lived, like, right there.
0: That's so cool. I would definitely be pointing that out every time I walk past. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing nothing cool like that out by where I'm on Long Island, so it's like mm. meh, but the city, New York City, sometimes you get some oh, cool yeah. stuff. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I love that. I love how um you kind of touch on that fandom isn't necessarily quote unquote like nerd culture. It's it's anything you're passionate about as yeah a person. It could be literally books, music, anything you can be a fan of.
1: I mean, fandom also, like, applies to sports. Like, so yep. many people are fans of sports teams. Like I used to be in love with the Chicago Bulls when I actually f- paid attention to basketball. The Chicago Bulls from 96 to 99. That was <laughs> Mwah, that's my childhood right there. Oh
0: uh, yeah, I was a big into every time the Olympics would roll around. And when I was a teenager, I was so big.
1: <gasps> Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Figure skating in the winter, gymnastics okay. in the summer,
0: swimming. Oh, I'm mm, I Ooh, love the swimmers. swimmers. Mm. The swimmers. I remember everybody wanted to be like uh Sarah. Hughes. Do you remember Sarah Hughes, the figure skater? Because
1: huh? uh-huh. she was
0: from Long Island too, and it was like a big deal that somebody from Long Island was in the Olympics yeah. and she won. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to think of fandom in such an encompassing way where it's not limiting or pigeonholing people into an area, you know? Totally. I love that. <laughs> now, when you decided to become a voice
1: actor, was there
0: something that you were a fangirl of in particular that inspired your career choice?
1: Yes. So uh, when I was like, what, five or six years old, this is me aging myself, The Little Mermaid came out. <laughs> <laughs> and when The we're Little in, Mermaid <laughs> So when The Little Mermaid came out, like I watched it in the movie theater and I was like, wow, I want to be just like her. I want to be a mermaid, which is (laughs) not physically possible. So then I was like, well, I want to sing like her. So then I took singing lessons forever. And then I was really just like, I want to be able to like voice a Disney princess. And that's always been my dream. And it's still my like, like the shoot for the moon goal. It's like someday if I voice a Disney princess, I could die happy. Um, that's your dream that could be it I could just like walk off a cliff afterward and be done it's fine (laughs) (laughs) don't do that (laughs) um but yeah no Disney the Disney movies from that era were so like fundamental to like my growth uh like you know it's like I think there's like a whole generation of us who are like between Little Mermaid and oh gosh maybe it ends around around like Pocahontas Tarzan something like that right. a, little, a little later in the yeah, 90s like those are like that whole like slew of movies like you never like they never missed man and never, never miss like the music, the acting. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, now that I'm in my late thirties, I look back and I'm like, okay, you know, some things don't live up. You know, some things don't right. stand the test of time. But Your age well, <laughs> exactly. But there, there was something just so magical about that, and and in a time when streaming wasn't a, a thing. Uh, you know, like for us to have these like cultural moments like that was like so cool as a kid, you know, like that was for me, what star Wars was like to, you know, the generation before me, at least, you know, right? that's like where I kind of see it. Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: it was huge Disney uh, at that time. That was the Renaissance of their musicals. I can exactly. totally see how that would, that would affect you as a young child. Cause I'm excited I was around the same age. I loved all that stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. really interesting how that kind of impacted your career choice
1: totally it was like the first thing that got me like interested in performing right and then for right. me it was like that dichotomy of like well i gotta like you know go to i gotta get good grades in school i gotta be a doctor versus i just really like to sing and act and you know do things that make me happy and eventually like you know i was kind of like riding this like the two trains you know parallel in parallel And then just a few years ago, I was able to finally, like, kind of move off of one track and only do the acting track.
0: Now, how did that happen for you? How did you finally get to go in the direction that you were really (laughs) always hoping for?
1: (laughs) So it's like a really long journey. So, like, uh, okay, I have a degree in biomedical engineering from Marquette University. Yeah. Uh, But the whole time I was... I was just hanging out at the theater every free second. I was in all the plays. I was taking all the classes. Like I could have, I could have double majored in theater if I didn't have to do all the core credits for the school of communications, you know? Right. Uh, but uh, after, after getting my, well, while I was in my last year of undergrad um, I was convinced to go try out for grad school and I got in to grad school for acting so oh my goodness. That's why I moved to California. Because I got my MFA at the California Institute of the Arts uh, in Valencia, California, which is famous, I think most famous for its animation school. Um, a lot of famous animators have come out of CalArts. But uh, but yeah, I went to the acting school there, got my MFA in acting. It was a wonderful education. I uh, met some of my best friends. And, uh, after that, I was just like, okay, I, I, student loans are a real thing. So now I gotta like get a real (laughs) job. And, um, I found a job as a forensic scientist for like seven years, seven and a half. Yeah, so I did Accident Reconstruction, but all the while I'm like doing plays in Los Angeles. I'm taking improv classes, taking sketch comedy classes, voiceover classes. I caught my reel. I like started like just submitting for stuff that I could find. And I booked like my first few roles, like some video games, like a commercial randomly. And then uh, I kind of fell into dubbing. Like, uh, you know, like I got on you know, like a, a couple, like a couple studios, like mailing lists for like auditions and was booking dubbing roles and mostly live action stuff. So like live action foreign shows. And then eventually like getting like, you know, small, like supporting that. Well, no, we started with like operator a, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was like small, small parts in anime. And then like kind of working my way up through like supporting roles. So like, even that seven and a half year span that I was working and I was working as a forensic scientist, but also trying to do acting and voiceover. Like I did, like I, I was, I was starting out in anime. So I was in, my first anime was Knights of Sidonia. I was, it was a lot of like Netflix anime from like 2015. So like right. I was, I was in Devilman Crybaby. I was in, I was a few small roles in Violet Evergarden the series. Um, Forest of Piano. I think that was one of the later ones before I was like, okay, at some point around like 2017, 2018, I was like, I got to like make a choice, like either forensic science is my career or acting is my career. Like, right. You have to pick one or the other. Yeah. like, there just came a friction point. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta cut one or, or just know that like acting will only ever be like a part-time thing. And I thought maybe I could like make it a full-time thing. So I took a chance and quit my day job and it took another year or two, but you know, uh, that's in that span of time, I was just taking more classes, trying to get to know more people. Um, and eventually like I threw like some jobs, which included like final fantasy seven remake, cause I did like additional voices for that. I made connections that led me to my agency. Uh, I met Vox, um, and I love them. And After that, that gave me access to so many more auditions than I would never have had access to by myself because I'm not great at, I'm not great at being an agent for myself and I'm not great at searching out stuff. And who is? Like very few people are. Like that's a skill. It's, It's a really, it's a really important skill to try to hunt out work for yourself, but it's, it's, it's difficult. When There's only so much you you could do there, by yourself. There can be a ceiling to what you can do by yourself if you are not, if you don't foster those connections, right? Right. Um, but yeah, after I got my agency, like, you know, then, you know, I started seeing bigger and better auditions and eventually I started booking bigger and better things like Jujutsu Kaisen. Well, uh, oh, wow. there she is. Well, <laughs> there she <laughs> is. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like a long story, but like, you know, I, I took the long route, but I wouldn't have done it any other way just because for me, like I'm a, you know, I, I'm an artist and I'm free, you know, free spirited and whatever. But I also am my, my father's daughter and I am fairly practical about things like, well, I got to eat and I got to pay my bills.
0: So, right. so you I mean, had to find
1: a, the balance between those two things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I have like a really good network of people. Like my, <laughs> my husband was really supportive of me when I was like, I think I want to cut the, you know, cut the other job. Um, right. You know, like, it, and, and that's like one thing I tell people is like, if you got to make sure you have your community of people around you and you still got to put, you still got to put money on the table, man. Bread on the table. You do. Yes.
0: That's, it's, I think that's really a great story because, you know, you really did pursue your passion, but also you're still, you know, being practical. Like you said, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 I would think it would be hard. Um, but now has working as a voice actor impacted the way
1: you are involved in fandoms or that you view being a fangirl? Yeah. It's really interesting because I, you know, like I, we you know we were talking about like all the stuff, like I'm into, and like I, I've never been super vocal about it in like a larger forum, like the internet, until I became part of the media that people are fandoms of like now I'm realizing, Oh, I can actually like talk about it. Not just like be a fan of it. (laughs) I feel like like in the last, just in the last couple of years, I've felt even more like at my, at Liberty to, uh, be open, super open about like the things I love. And even then, like, you know, I, I suppose as being like a person, like that people look at, like I have to be careful of the things I say, like, you know, in general, but, I think it's cool that uh, what I love about being a part of Jujutsu Kaisen in particular is that I'm a fan of it. Like, if I had just found it on my own, like, I would have read this whole thing, like, cover to cover in, like, right. two days, which is kind of what I did when I finally sat down to read the manga. It's addicting. <laughs> it's addicting, right? um, But, like, it's so cool to be part of this. this uh series in you know in in my in my way that uh that I love and that other people love and we can all love it together and then we can talk about it and that's so cool
0: right it fosters community it really does like in a bond between people it's such a great I feel I find that Jujutsu Kaisen fandoms are really accepting one very Mm -hmm. wanting to make friends people want to make friends with everybody yeah (laughs) (laughs) Now, you see that fans have embraced these characters you voice in many different ways, uh, you know, whether it's cosplay, art, fashion. How does it feel to experience what these people create from your end of things?
1: Oh, my gosh. Every time I'm at a convention, I'm just continuously blown away with, like, just the massive amount of talent um, that the people that people bring to, to, to my table, like in, if they're like cosplaying or if they like bring me a piece of art that they made or or even just like the vendors, you know, Artist Alley and like the vendor hall, just like everyone is so creative. They come up with such amazing concepts for, for, for art or for like pieces of merch. Like someone gave me, uh, a, a vendor uh, gave me a sweatshirt uh, at uh, Otaku Fest recently that was like... It was like light, it was like a lavender sweatshirt. It was a Red and Shogun one. But it had like Red and Shogun's eyes, like in the little like little like patch here in the front. I was like, that's so cool. It looks great. And then it had, like, cool. it had like the symbol, like on you know, and like more symbols on the arm. I was like, this is this is tight. <laughs> and I wore it, so- I wore it. I wore it for the rest of the day because it was cold in the in the convention center. And so everyone, everyone's coming to the table, like we're taking pictures and like, I love your sweatshirt. Where'd you get it? And I'm like, wow, you can just go see see her in the I'll just go about that way. <laughs> nice. He probably was very happy about that networking. Yeah, that. Like, yeah, go go spend your money there too.
0: Oh, the the artist alley is definitely always amazing because yeah. I'm not artistic, so I'm always very very amazed by what people can create.
1: Totally. Yeah. uh, Yeah. No, I just love walking down and be like, I like your art. (laughs) Right. What would you tell a younger version of
0: yourself? um, Knowing what you know now about embracing your inner fangirl, what would you tell a younger version of yourself?
1: I think I would tell her um, that you just got to find the right people to like be able to nerd out with. And, like, if you look for them, you will find them. And you don't have to just, like, sit back and think, well, I just am going to consume all of this, like, on my own, in my little corner. Um, Yeah, there are people out there, and if you look look for them, you'll find them. I think that's great advice. It lasts over generations.
0: It doesn't have (laughs) to be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be some people our age. It could go with teenagers now. Just excellent advice.
1: Yeah, it's so cool, like... Especially because, like, I'm, you know, like, I'm in my late 30s, but, like, getting to know all these fans who are, like, they're young, they're, like, in high school, college, and I'm like, you're so young, but, like, but we can still, like, connect on this, on this level because of our shared love of, you know, this these fandoms yeah a
0: fandom yes to- completely well thank you for taking the time to talk to me today i really appreciate it again Aww. and this has been amazing
1: well, thank you for having
0: me it was really fun t-
1: <laughs> talking with you again <laughs> thank you so much